Hi, Melanie here from Aviation Tours, unique itineraries for aviation enthusiasts, taking you to some of the most amazing air shows and events in the UK and Australia. They're leisurely, comfortable, fun, escorted, and to all the places you've been wanting to visit. If independent travels out of your comfort zone, or you just prefer the good company of fellow enthusiasts, on a tour taking in the best aviation, motoring and military museums, take a look at our website, aviationtoursnz.com, for more info and join us on the trip of a lifetime. Or call me for a chat on 021 076 8308. Wings Over Britain is proudly supported by the New Zealand Bomber Command Association. Telling the stories of Bomber Command and the New Zealanders who served. Wings Over Britain and the Wings Over New Zealand show greatly acknowledges the fantastic support from Peter and Carola Wheeler of the Hauraki Brewing Company. And we'd like to acknowledge the awesome support from Mel and Kev Salisbury at Aviation Tours NZ. And a huge thanks to all the others out there who kindly supported the tour and the series. Without them, the series wouldn't have been made. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Well, I'm at the Imperial War Museum at Duxford and I'm sitting here with Rebecca Greenwood-Harding. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Dave. Nice to see you after all this time. Yeah, it's great to finally meet up in person <laughs> after years of knowing each other yeah. online. Yeah. Um, now, your position at the museum here. I, my job title is Head of Technological Objects, which is a, a long-winded way of saying I'm the curator in charge of all the, the large objects here, so all the aircraft, the vehicles, the ordnance, communications equipment and so on. So, as you can imagine, I'm, I'm quite busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how, how long have you been with the museum and how, how did you sort of get into this? I joined the museum back in 2001 as a museum assistant. I have been interested in historic aviation since I was a small child. And I, when I finished at university, I knew I wanted to eventually become a curator in one of the national museums. I didn't mind whether it was Duckford or the RES Museum, so I just I was going to try and get my foot in the door yeah. and got my first job here as a museum assistant patrolling the hangars and keeping an eye on things. And a bit like the Hotel California, I can check out any time, I can never leave because I'm still here 22 <laughs> years later. I seem to recall that uh, you used to put online on the forums that your main job was dusting the planes. Yeah, that, that became a bit of a, a running joke because yeah. at the time, um, the museum assistant, one of our responsibilities was just keep keep an eye on the objects and just kind of dust them occasionally. So I, I became known for 
walking around the site with a duster tucked in my pocket and sometimes a fluffy duster as well for the harder to reach places. <laughs> uh, so over the 22 years that you've been here there must have been a few changes. Uh, certainly quite a few changes. Um, there's been hangers extended, new hangers pop up and uh, quite a few new faces over the years. One thing that always remains the same at Duckford is a sense of community here, the sense of um, everyone pulling together to keep Duckford's history going and keep our visitors coming back to us. Exactly. Now, can you sort of give an overview of the history of Duxford? How far back does this airbase go? I certainly can. Duckford was originally formed as a um, training depot in the First World War, uh, officially opened April 1918. Mm -hmm. And we'd had a wander around the site earlier and we, yep. we visited a couple of the original First World War Belfast hangars. Okay. Um, and Duxford continued as a training depot into the 1920s and 30s. and then we had squadrons like 19 Squadron here, so some of the, kind of the famous names um, from Battle of Britain, etc., kind of cut their teeth here yeah. at Duckford. Um, then, of course, in the Second World War, Duckford um, played a part in Battle of Britain, a part of Dardard's Big Wing. Yeah. And then, post war, um, came a Cold War fighter station until um, Duckford closed an operational airfield in 1961. And that then it was a, and it was a, couple, a few fallow years, but nobody quite knew what to do with the site. And then a little film that maybe one or two people had heard of just kind of was filmed here in 1968, called that being the Battle of Britain, yep. which really kind of put Duckford um, back into the minds of people. And then in the early 70s, um, Imperial War Museum, we arrived here originally to use part of the site for storage and then we kind of it grew into the museum that you've seen today. Right, right. So the Imperial War Museum uh, has a London branch at Lambeth and was that really the only museum at that stage before it came here? Or it Pretty much, yes. Um, the Imperial War Museum was founded in 1917. Um, we, we've had a couple of sites over the years We've been in Lambeth Road since um, the mid-1930s. Uh, we also um, hold HMS Belfast, currently yes. um, moored up on the Thames. That kind of acquired um, Belfast around the time we were moving in here. Okay. And, of course, we also have the Churchill War Rooms come under umbrella. So right, of course. It was really kind of the second of our sites, and now one of the five. Right, so. right, of course. Um, of course, in that little overview of the history, you did mention the Battle of Britain, but after that, this became an American base as well, didn't it? It does indeed, and the Americans arrived here in 1943, and they were here until the war ended um, in 40, uh, 45. Yep. and it's certainly that you can still see evidence of the Americans here, There's a couple of the smaller buildings across the road we looked at this morning. Yep. Temporary building set up by the Americans uh, 80 plus years later, still in use today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess a temporary building in England could last for a couple of hundred years. Though, yeah, 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 <laughs> yes. Temporary uh, hundred years ago meant something quite different. To yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, originally in the Battle of Britain, there was uh, Spitfires here with 19 Squadron. Um, when the Americans came, it was Thunderbolts and Mustangs. Oh, correct, yeah. yes. 
So it's seen a few interesting fighters, and of course there's a lot of interesting fighters based here now as well. There are indeed. Um, ever since Duckford um, Museum arrived here in the early 70s, we've had various on-site partners. Um, we talked about the Anglian Aviation Society earlier, some of the society um, that, that split in the early 70s, and some went to Battenbourne, worked in the museum there, and the remainder stayed here and became Duckford Aviation Society, who is still one of our main site partners today. Yep. They're all the separate airliners on the site, including Concorde, belong to the um, Duckford Aviation Society. Okay. And of course, we have um, a number of flying partners here, including Aircraft Restoration Company and the Fighter Collection, so on. So there's always something going on here at Duckford. Absolutely. And of course, another one of those uh, flying companies here is the old flying machine company, which is it is indeed. Quite um, and of course, um, Old Flying Company have one of the most famous Spitfires of all. Yeah. And secretly, um, MH44, she's actually still my favourite of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> and of course, that was that was run by Ray Hanna, who was a Kiwi. So the, we've got that nice connection there. So. Yes, and we, we miss Ray and Mark here very yeah. much. They were, they were great personalities yeah. and they're always fondly remembered here at Duxford. I bet the place is a little bit quieter since they've gone. I would imagine so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've taken me around some of the hangars uh, this morning and there's some incredible uh, artefacts and interesting aircraft on, on display. I wonder, have you got a favourite amongst all of the actual Imperial War Museum artefacts? Um, my favourite for me has to be our Hawk Hunter, um, Teeth Tango, as operated here by 65 Squadron um, during the 1950s. Mm -hmm. So she's a true Duckford veteran. And to me, she represents the, the, the soul of Duckford. We've been very fortunate to have been supported by a number of the old Duckford veterans. Yeah. I'm not calling them old, they're named Old Ducks. Um, <laughs> they supported us extensively over the years with their stories. So, so when I look at um, Teeth Tango, I don't just see a beautiful aircraft, which obviously she, she is, but I see the Duckford veterans, but 18, 19-year-olds learning to fly, yeah. working on aircraft like Teeth Tango, going about their daily business. Yeah, and they are just as much a part of the Duckford story as our artefacts are. Absolutely. So that, that hunter was part of the defence of Britain, um, this was a, really a defensive base all the way through, really, wasn't it? A defensive station. Pretty much. So, yeah. yeah. Right. And um, I guess the uh, Battle of Britain would have been the only uh, time that it actually had to properly defend itself, really, wasn't it? it pretty much so, yes. And obviously, Duck was being that further north, it didn't have wasn't affected in the same way that, say, Hawkins was or Manston. But certainly Duckford did did come under fire and these squadrons here were regularly up in defence of the skies. Yeah. So this place, did it get bombed at all or, or no bombing on the airfield? We we have a few light bombs for right. but nothing major. Right. And compared to um, the main branch in Lambeth Road, which was, we discussed earlier, was actually um, bombed and the one actually took a direct hit and some of the objects were damaged. Right. Right, right. Duckford, Duckford got off quite lightly, really. Okay. 
And so it didn't really get bombed properly until 1968 when they made the film here and blew the hangar up. Yes, that, that is correct. Um, <laughs> there was more damage caused at Duckford in the filming of Battle of Britain than actually during the war. So, and it, we often lament the loss of that, that hangar, but perhaps sometimes you just flip, flip it round. Is the film made such a different, made such an impact on people. So many visitors and even people who work here and private partners, they say, well, I got into aviation as a child watching the Battle of Britain film and it raised awareness, it raised interest. So sometimes I think maybe the, the loss of the hangar was worth it, but what I wouldn't do to have it here to be able to use it to put yeah. objects and display it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it really was a catalyst for people to start thinking about preserving hangars and, and airfields. And, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And when uh, the decision was made to film here, Duckford had been closed for seven or eight years. Yeah. And it's amazing how quickly Mother Nature takes over yeah. and parts of the site were already looking pretty run down. The film crews did a great job and kind of getting the site looking presentable again. And that kind of really raised Duckford profile to make people aware that Duckwood was still here and that Duckwood still had potential and so it has survived today and it's now the the largest surviving First World War and Second World War airfield in Britain and we're very proud of that. Right. So that hangar was a First World War hangar? It was indeed. It, it seems absolutely unthinkable yeah. now that we blow up a First World War hangar. Yeah. Unfortunately, the other three are very much protected, so we won't be blowing up any more hangers. That's good, that's good. <laughs> but that, that's actually an interesting point. Uh, that in the 1960s, up to, that, up to that point, people just didn't really care about old stuff like they do now. And when you think about it, a lot of the aircraft that were used in that film, um, they, they were actually pulled off the scrap heap. They had gone to scrap yeah. and... And were saved for the film, and now some Absolutely. of them are still around. So, um, yeah, it's it's a, uh, quite an incredible thing, really. Absolutely. Yeah, a number of the uh, where the Spitfires and Hurricanes on the circuit today, they they owe their long term preservation to the film. Yeah. Um, they were pulled off gate guardian duty and either restored to ground running condition or even just a lucky few sort of airworthiness, and that kind of kept them in the profile, public yeah. profile, yeah. and. We go from there, really. Absolutely. Um, what sort of events do you have here during the year? Uh, I know there's air shows, but there must be other sort of commemorative events as well. We we also obviously had our um, two air shows. Yeah, we just had the June air show, and we've got the Battle of Britain air show coming up in September. We also have a number of flying days. We have one this Friday coming, um, focusing on the Americans and the Americans here at Duckford and the Americans generally in the East Anglian region. Yeah. But yeah, we have, we do have various shows. Um, we have various uh, evening events from time to time, so the opportunity to come and um, view our aircraft and vehicles in a different light. Yeah. Um, we sometimes uh, team up with some of the private partners to get some of the aircraft running out of ours so people can kind of, again, see them differently to how they would normally in a normal state. We've always something going on here right, at Duckford. Right. And I know that recently you've had some kind of special e exhibitions where you've got a whole lot of 
of the same type but different marks. I mean, yeah. one of them was the hurricanes that you had there. Yeah. So, tell, tell me about those. So last year we um, brought together um, a number of hurricanes and sea hurricanes from Shuttleworth and a couple of other members of the Hawke family that are very popular as our visitors. And the year before that we brought together a number of Spitfires yeah. um, James Spitfires was to show how the design evolved. So we started to mark one right round to the Mark 22, and then visitors, of course, had the opportunity to go into the next hangar and see our F 24. Right. And I certainly say, um, when you stood up on the balcony and you looked down at all the Spitfires laid, up, laid out, it was really, really interesting to see just how the, the Spitfire changed and the, the later one. Marks almost doubled the weight as the early ones, and it's yeah. things like that. It's just wow. You think of the Spitfire, you think of one aircraft, but really the early Spitfires and the late ones are really very different beasts. Absolutely, yeah. And I guess some of the other types here that you have, uh, and I've seen in other museums on my tour, are the same. I mean, if you've got an early early Harrier and stuck it next to a late model Harrier, they'll be it totally different. Completely different. different. Yeah. So we have our GR three here on display in airspace. Then we've got GR nine. Um, Afghanistan veteran down in Lambeth Road. If you put them side by side, yeah, they look they look like father and son. Right. <laughs> they, look, they look similar, but not, not but quite different. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So um, that whole sort of educational side too, uh, with museums. Um, obviously, you get a lot of school children through here, and and. Uh, try and teach them about aviation and we history. do and we, we we kind of go by that kind of stuff guided learning as much as possible yeah. so we encourage kind of our visitors to explore the site as much as possible and learn for themselves and, and hopefully here at Duxford visitors will get kind of a real, real kind of sense of what a working airfield is like yeah. Um, both in peacetime and hopefully a bit in wartime and we're better to see aircraft like Spitfire come to life right in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure that this place over the last sort of 50 years has inspired a lot of people to go into aviation and, and particularly historic aviation. I, I hope so, I hope so and I hope we continue to inspire people because we're, we're always on the lookout for new volunteers and new people to come and support our work and we hope that people just keep coming to see us. How many staff members are here with the museum? That's a very good question, I think there's about 200 or so. Okay. Is, is that including volunteers or is that... Um, no, we have um, a lot more volunteers oh, than right. that. Oh, okay. So that's a, that's a big it, museum stuff. Yeah, it that's, is, yeah. Um, and this is, this is classed as a national museum. It is, yes. Um, in terms of funding, is that government funding or is it all through the gate or how does that work? It's a combination. So we have... Um, we do receive some government funding, but we also try and fund our work as much as possible ourselves. Yeah. I guess you work with sponsors and partners and various yeah. things as well. And yeah. The air shows must raise money and all that sort of thing. So, I mean, it, you, you would be forever trying to find new ways to, to keep the place going, I guess. Yes. Like, like every museum, whether you're biggest one. Well, everywhere, with rising energy costs and, yeah. and the impacts of the, the pandemic are still being very much felt. Yeah, so. yeah. That must have been pretty bad here, actually, I guess, uh, you know, with place been shut down for a long time. It was, it, it was, and I did come in a couple of times and it was very, very quiet, very, very eerie 
here. Um, it was a great relief when the visitors came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we had a look in Hangar 5, which is the restoration hangar. Um, tell me what's going on and what, what we can see in there and what will be rolling out in the future from there. Well, um, when we took the site over in the early 70s, we used Hangar 5 as kind of like a, a conservation base, and that's exactly what we're still using it for 50 years later. Yep. Um, we've got quite an assortment of aircraft and vehicles in there yes. at the moment. We've got our Shackleton MR3, she's in there um, for some long-awaited uh, work, and as you saw this morning, um, Gordon's been doing a great job in uh, stripping her paint down. Yeah. Um, we've also got our uh, Halifax cockpit in there. Um, some listeners may have seen um, the cockpit um, display in our museum in Lambeth Road in the 1980s. Yes. I may remember being able to walk through the cockpit. I, I did that myself in yeah, the 90s, yeah. 1990s, yeah. Were, our um, Director General at the time, Noble Franklin, was ex-Bomber Command, and he wanted visitors to kind of try and have a sense of what it was like to be in a, a bomber cockpit. Yeah. So I think it was a really great thing that he did, but the flip side of that was thousands of us walking through the Halifax over the years Unfortunately, it damaged the floor, so we're yeah. kind of trying to find that out now. But we're back in conservation work. Um, we also have our Heinkel one sixty Salamander yeah. in there. As I explained to you this morning, um, when we acquired that from Cranfield in the early sixties, we were told that she was an A one. So we recorded her as that. And that kind of continued with her down through the years. There are various books out there, magazines referenced in her as an A1. When we started doing the detailed conservation work on her last year, conservation crew looked at the cannons, and they were definitely the cannons for an A2. So unfortunately, having thought for years we had the only surviving A1, um, 162, we don't. But she still has her own story to tell. Yeah. So at the moment, uh, we're trying to establish exactly what she did when she brought over from Germany for evaluation, and then what she did between that time and then ended up at Cranfield, and then obviously coming to us in the early 60s. Uh, also in Hangar 5 at the moment, we have um, our Pakara, uh, a genuine Falklands war veteran. Yeah. We also have a couple of new arrivals. In there, our Valiant cockpit and Victor cockpit. Yes. We acquired last year. Um, the Valiant is the largest um, surviving piece of Valiant after the complete Valiant at Cosford. Yep. And the Victor is the rather famous for being a Black Buck One veteran in the yep. Falklands War. Uh, on her way to refuel um, one of the Balkans for the raid and her refueling probe broke, so she had to transfer her fuel to another victim and return to Ascension Island. And obviously we have our um, complete victim that we finished storing last year, and she came to us in 1975, so the acquisition of the victim uh, cockpit enables us to tell a story that we can't tell with our complete aircraft. Right. So that's Kind of one thing we do is kind of tell as many stories as we can, many personal stories as we can, yep. and the rich is definitely going to help us do that. Right, right. And of course, uh, on the walls in that hangar, you've got one side's got uh, a whole array of different bombs, and the other side yep. has got a whole array of different engines. And 
Um, there's a few quite special engines on there. There are these. Our engine wall is uh, very popular. Uh, we've got um, amongst the engines there, we've got um, the Red Baron's uh, engine from the aircraft. He sadly lost his life in. Uh, we... Amazing, that surprised <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, then we have um, a very early Don't One engine. Yep. Uh, we have um, a Jumo 004 engine, which um, it's a great object for helping us tell the stories of Mass Smith, the ME1262. And then we also have um, some very early engines, which we believe to have come from some of the very early aircraft um, museum had when the museum was formed in 1917-1918. And in case anyone's wondering what happened to the rest of the aircraft, Unfortunately, in the 1920s, the museum had to move and had to kind of reduce down its collection. And it, it's been utterly, utterly impossible to comprehend. Now, a bit like blowing up the first world war hangar, yeah. the museum thought, oh, we'll keep the engine and scrap the rest of the aircraft. So that's all we have left of some very rare types of the engines and the engine wall. But at least we've still got the engines. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, although I guess these days you could rebuild the aircraft around the engine and and you could actually claim that you've got the red barons. <laughs> <laughs> a bit, bit like Trigger's broom. Yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> I think the conservation team, they've got enough work to do. Yeah, the exactly. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of work just on that yeah. Shackleton. I mean, I had no idea how massive that thing is. Yeah. It, it just seems, I guess because it's a tricycle undercarriage, it seems much bigger than the, the Lancaster and the Lincoln. Uh, it's probably not any bigger, but it just has that that sort of impressive sort of size yeah, to it. Yeah, and also being squeezed into the first world war hangar as well, that makes it look even bigger. Of course, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. the ceiling's just above yeah. it. So um, now there's some interesting projects going on. So how long will each of those projects around about be generally? It depends on the level of work. It requires some aircraft and vehicles to be in there for a year or two, um, some from you know, five or six Yep. Years and it took six years to get our Victor um, restored. So, and the conservation team here are absolutely brilliant. They are so thorough in what they do, yeah. and they're, they're some of my favourite people. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, it's really interesting, too, after years and years and years of having these aircraft here, that you're still finding out bits and pieces about them, like you were saying with the, uh, the 162. The fact that you didn't even realise that it was an A2 and not an absolutely, A1. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I'm really intrigued to see where the conservation work takes us, what other secrets there are to be revealed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm sure there's some. I'm sure some of, some of the objects, they still have stories they haven't told us yet. Yeah, absolutely. And you were mentioning too that taking the layers of the paint off on the wings was revealing the RAF roundels. Yeah, we, we discovered, we, we suspected they were there, but when we carefully stripped back layer by layer, we found the original RAF roundels from when the 162 was brought over for evaluation. Yeah, so. amazing. <laughs> so uh, I guess your job must be continually making interesting discoveries and meeting interesting people. And It is, it is. It, I, I love my job. Um, I only came for four months back in 2001. Here I am, 22 years later. I'm not going anywhere just yet either. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Rebecca. You're it's very been, welcome. been a pleasure to get a bit of a tour and, and to just catch up with you. Brilliant. Thank you. Cheers. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.